The following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me. I am your host, former Dirt Sheet writer, Lee Walker, and I am joined by the Perched Correspondent, the man with a plan who goes to every show within the Northeast of New York, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Largito. What's up, everybody? Good to be here today. Justin, I think we got some pretty good stuff to talk about. I want to break into WWE first before we get into the AEW side of what we're going to talk about today. Because in my opinion, it's rather unique, but I also think it's a uh, maybe a scare tactic. Someone's a little afraid of things that are going on in the wrestling world. So let's start off with Triple H, Justin. Mm -hmm. You know, we recently heard he's... Basically, you know, he, he he took his old job back, announced he was back. And then within, what, maybe two days, three days of announcing that he's got his old position back, we find out that he is now basically the head of talent relations, taking Bruce Pitchard's job from him. This is a great thing for WWE. Vince McMahon is now retired. Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan are co-CEOs. And they give these position, you know, they give Triple H his original position back. And then the 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 talent relations position, you know, adding on to what he's what he's doing. This only makes WWE better because we know what he did with NXT. Like NXT was like his pet project. You know, that black and gold brand was amazing. What NXT had going. It was different from the main roster. While many will say it had for what the wrestling that we were watching, we've heard, oh, well, it feels like AEW. Well, NXT was ahead of its time before AEW, so really AEW feels like NXT. Yeah, definitely. Like, NXT was first. I'm sorry. I I like AEW. I really do, but NXT was there first. Um, And now we just saw... First off, before we get into any of that, with Triple H getting this position back we've already seen major changes within wwe why don't we kick off right at SummerSlam, justin Mm -hmm. because right off the bat we saw bailey return and bailey didn't come alone as we saw bailey came with eo sky who as we know is formally known as eo shirai 
and uh, a name that was really shocking because we had seen this name as part of hashtag WWE releases, Dakota Kai. She returns at SummerSlam as well. So right off the bat, Justin, we see Io Sky, Io Shirai, whatever you want to call her. Bailey, which there was people kind of had a hunch Bailey was returning at some point. But Dakota Kai is the biggest shocker out of all this. Yeah, I mean, at SummerSlam, I popped for Bailey, but I popped much harder for Dakota Kai because it was so out of nowhere. And, you know, we didn't hear anything about the possibility of Dakota Kai coming back. And now we know everything with this faction was kind of thrown together at the last minute. But I'm all in on this stable with Dakota, EO, and Bailey. I, I think it's great. And as soon as I saw it on SummerSlam, you knew it was a you knew it was a Triple H idea because it just has his fingerprints all over it. Those are his favorites from NXT, his favorite women from NXT. And I'm excited to see what they do on the main roster on Raw. Yeah, yeah, I am too. And, you know, we've seen them have, you know, attacking the women as we saw on Raw. And we just saw EO Sky take on Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair. So they're already pushing for main event, main event style pushing with the Raw Women's Champion. We saw him after Becky Lynch. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens. We knew the women's roster was lacking. So this is good to have some names back. Now, Justin, speaking of names coming back, there has been a hot rumor that. Sasha Banks and Naomi are also going to return. Now, we've been following that really closely. If you remember correctly, it was back in May. Naomi and Sasha weren't happy. They didn't want to wrestle uh, two specific women in a fatal four-way match type deal, a tag match, when it came to the Raw women's uh, titles. And Justin, you remember who those names were? So I don't think the names were actually revealed, but I know actually I was at the Raw right before that week where it was Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop against Sasha and Naomi. So I would imagine since they had wrestled them so recently, it, the, those were probably the two names they were looking at if there was any truth to that report. Yeah, so we have a lot of reports here and the, the part of that report, I don't even remember where it came from, but the other ones I, I so the part about the the two two wrestlers in the match that they didn't want to work with that came specifically from WB, and then I believe I, I don't remember which site, but I believe one site debunked it, stating that the issue was more in the booking of the match where uh, Naomi would pin Sasha, and then Sasha would go after Ronda for the SmackDown Women's Title at Hell in a Cell, and Naomi would face. Oh fuck! I'm I'm drawing a blank. Who the fuck was the raw? Oh yeah, Bianca. But she's still a fucking champion. Yeah. see, all the focus is on Bailey. I don't even know who the fucking champion is right now. Yeah, like I, I honestly like because I believe Alexa Bliss was part of the match, and I know her and Sasha do not get along. So I I honestly assumed one of those names was Alexa Bliss. But we know Alexa to not be a unsafe worker. As far as Nikki ASH and and Dewdrop, um, if you watch the match, 
that they had the week before. It didn't exactly wasn't exactly a great match by any means, but no. it was an okay match. Um, anyway, so I'm highly suspecting that those were the names. I did kind of have a hunch at Alexa Bliss, but it didn't make sense just because her and Sasha do not get along. We know that it's widely reported. You can see in multiple matches where Sasha would constantly stiff Alexa and not really be cooperative in matches with her. Um, anyway, just, it's just, that's just one of those reports that were out there. I highly suspect that being true. I also suspect the fact on how it was going to go be true because Sasha and Naomi were looking to really, really work that tag team division. Now, once everything had happened and they, they gave Johnny Laurinaitis the championships and walked out on Raw, we were told we were going to get a women's WWE tag team tournament for the vacant titles. Now, three of the names we'd already listed were already gone. Bailey, EO, and Dakota. And then we had now Sasha and Naomi. There's five women gone from the main roster right there alone, you know? So we've lost, and five doesn't seem like a lot, but the women's roster is much smaller than the men's. So five for the women's is a lot, where five from the men's is gone. It's not that big of a deal, depending on the names. So it was Wrestling Inc., and it was the owner of the company, uh, Raj Giru, who uh, made the announcement that basically WWE releases Sasha Banks. Uh other reports came from Sean Ross Sapp, a fightful in this and that, saying, uh, you know, he hadn't heard that they were, you know, she was released. But basically that WWE internally was working as if she was released is the most we got out of that. Uh, whether or not they were actually released or not, we don't know. Uh, there was also rumors that Sasha's legal team was trying to help her get out of a contract with WWE. And then of course the ad fuels the fire. Sasha starts taking autograph signings at public comic cons and things like that under her real name, of course. And then I believe Naomi is now going to be at one of the same ones that uh, she is as well. Yep. Naomi and Sasha are advertised for C2E2 together this weekend. Yeah. Which is a little mind boggling. Uh, However, we know that with Vince gone and Triple H back in the position with, with talent relations and everything, the new hot rumor, which I believe was from Brian Alvarez, is that Naomi and Sasha are coming back. Now, for me, Justin, this leaves a lot of questions. How does W if if, if it's all true? One, how is WWE handling them coming back? Two, will they just give them the tag team titles back? Three, what happens to the tag team titles if they're not giving them back and they're going to do a tournament? I really still don't see them having a roster for a women's tournament or even really for the tag team titles themselves. Uh, because you don't have any tag teams really within the company. So what happens? Do they become single competitors again? How many shots are we going to hear from the roster on the microphone at Sasha and Naomi for leaving. We heard them with Ali and Ali's already back to tweeting about wanting opportunity and this and that. 
So I got a lot of questions. What the hell happens here, Justin? What happens if they come back? What do they do with them? Yeah, and I'm wondering the same thing because, you know, the last time they were even specifically mentioned on TV, Michael Cole was burying him at the commentary desk for letting us all down. His words, not mine. But say they do come back, which it does sound likely at this point now. I mean, do they continue with Sasha and Naomi as a tag team? Do they split off? You know, it, it, it does raise a lot of questions what the booking would be for them going forward since you literally buried them to your audience a few months ago when they walked out. I mean, you have to acknowledge the situation. You can't just have them come back and act like it never happened. Your women's tag titles are still vacant at the moment with no plans for... I know they said they were doing a tournament, but then they realized, hey, oh shit, we don't have teams. So that was practically scrapped i don't think they're going to give the tag titles just right back to them it it does raise a lot and i don't know where they're going to go do they do some kind of outsider type angle with sasha and naomi when they come back and act like they're not under any kind of agreement who knows this isn't vince run, running the show anymore this is triple h and we've seen triple h's booking in nxt but you know, this is an interesting situation, one that we just don't really, we haven't really had before with Triple H booking the show. So, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know when they plan on bringing them back, if there's a special angle to bring them back, or if they're just going to show up on the show one week. I, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I'm very curious because I have a lot of questions regarding what happens with them now. How do you bring them back knowing, you know, the walk off and this and that? And and we'll get to this in a bit because AEW is having the same problems, too, now with wrestlers walking out. And they've only been around for a couple of years. WWE has been around forever. For WWE to have walkouts are few and far between. Uh, this, for AEW, is a different situation. And we'll get to that in a bit. But, Justin, the interesting thing is this past Monday was the first post Vince McMahon raw for a new era in wrestling. So for me, that draws questions when you have an end of an era in the beginning of a new era, do the ratings reflect your new era? Justin, what do you think? How do you think the the ratings were? Don't you don't, you just go up or down. It's cool. You don't have to like go into a lot of detail. Yeah, I'll be honest. I think the ratings are kind of a, a dead subject now, just with everything moving to streaming and, you know, all that. A lot of people have DVRs now. They they barely ever catch the show live, it feels like. But I, I'm sure there's definitely intrigue, and I'm sure they're up. And Justin, you are right. So WWE, in its last show with Vince McMahon, was a $1.9 million. The post-Vince McMahon era in its first Monday Night Raw without the CEO, Vince McMahon, running the show now that he is retired, had an increase of 21%. That is 2.3 million that the show has gone up for one week. Now it'll be interesting to see how next week goes. But you brought up a good point with the streaming and this and that. I can't tell you 
how many times I've been in a Facebook group related to wrestling and people are asking for stream links for pay-per-views, SmackDown, Impact, AEW, Raw, you know, whether, whether it's because, um, they can't afford cable or, or those channels aren't in their area, whatever the case may be, a lot more people are in fact illegally streaming. You know, we see it all the time. And I would say that plays a huge effect on the ratings. Uh, then there's also those who stream legally. And what I mean by that is like a service like Hulu, where you can watch Raw and SmackDown uh, the next day on Hulu. If you if you don't, you know, you missed it live on cable. Well, you can, you can at least catch the replay on Hulu. And honestly, sometimes that's better because they skip through all the garbage and commercials and this and that that you don't have to go through. Um, one thing I did notice also, Justin, is in the post Vince McMahon era, we actually had a little more time wrestling uh, than we did the the previous week, which was nice because it wasn't all promos and, and everything. Yeah, I think SmackDown last week had a total of 49 minutes of wrestling for the two hour show, and that's like unheard of for a WWE show in 2022 yeah because they only the lowest i know they've averaged wrestling wise on smackdown has been 19 minutes yeah and that that's because that's been starting to become average before the change happened yeah you know so i'm not you know as we're going through some of these names that that have become a more prominent thing what do you think of eo sky with the name change fans if you don't know uh, this for me was actually very confusing. I have tinnitus, so my hearing is is off. So I watched SummerSlam, and I honestly just thought they made an honest mistake. But then when I catch Raw, I was hearing Eo Sky, Eo Sky, Eo Sky, and I'm like, that's not how you say Eo Shirai. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just not catching it right. But then, sure enough, with her match against Bianca Belair. I see that it is actually EO Sky to the point that they even changed the spelling of EO. If you don't know, it was just uh, IO and now it's IYO. And I was like, huh. Okay, I've been very adamant. If we know who these superstars are already and you change their name like that, I'm like, I'm not a fan. But I also know, you know, WWE made it a point during the Vince McMahon era that they were going to change the names of people who came in still using their independent name or using a name from NXT and changing it as a call-up. Now we've already seen a lot of that when in the middle we're introduced to Walter in the beginning of the match and he comes out and is here is your winner Gunter. And everyone's like, huh? Did I miss something in the middle of the match? You know, we yeah. knew him as Walter, you know, and, and the other part is too, is like, if they own that independent name, Walter owns that name. So they were like, Hey, you know, and that's WWE saving money because if the name's already copy copyrighted, we've always known Vince McMahon wants to copyright the wrestlers names. Like he found out through Mia Yim, I believe he couldn't get it copyrighted. WWE tried to copyright it, and then they found out, oh, crap, she owns the name. We can't get it copyrighted. I believe Keith Lee was the other one, too. 
So yep. if you go into WWE and you have that name, you have your name copyrighted. WWE is going to say, yeah, we're not paying for this. So just like in the video games, if you own your name, they have to pay you more. WWE wants to get out of that. So that's the way the cookie crumbles, folks. Yeah, look, if, if it were up to me, I'd keep everyone's name the way of it, the way it is. When you're establishing somebody for two years, three years, some in some cases, four years in developmental NXT or even on the main roster with some of the name changes we see, you know, you shouldn't be changing it if you've already built stock in that name. But, you know, I don't think EO Sky is a terrible name. I Trust me, when she was off TV on NXT for the last few months, I was fucking worried a repackaging was coming and uh, who knows what they would be willing to give a, a japanese female for a name in nxt you know, i mean we, we have fucking wendy chu in nxt can you imagine how much worse it would get if io shirai showed up and whatever the fuck her name would be and wearing a onesie and you, you know you know the whole fucking gimmick on nxt i'm not going to get into it right now but you know it, it's it's not terrible I don't mind it. It, it kind of rolls off the tongue. It sounds like Io Shirai. I, I mean, Genius of the Sky is, is what she goes by. So it works. It, it, changing the spelling uh, I-Y-O instead of I-O. You know, whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's still pronounced the same way. Yeah. Now, we also saw the return of Dakota Kai, who was released. Uh, chose not to re-sign her contract. Wasn't apparently happy with how things were for her, this or that. We know other companies were interested in her. I believe uh, Impact was interested in AEW as well. And neither one of those got her. Uh, however, you know, she went back to WWE, which is good for her. I thought she was doing phenomenal. She's, you know, they finally got something that stuck with her, which I thought was cool. And then just up and out of nowhere, gone yeah and you know what i'm glad she's back that's awesome it, it sucks like because i felt in her first run in nxt she got shafted a lot for like no reason when she had felt like she had so much promise and so much to offer to the women's division you know she had the two women's tag title reigns one was like what between saturday and tuesday that's three days the the first one was about 56 minutes or something like that and even before that, she always felt like some kind of afterthought on the show, which I've always disagreed with. They, they put her with Raquel, and then before that, she was with Tegan Knox, And, you know, she had just been doing nothing, and injuries didn't help with that either, where she was out for about eight months with a – I can't remember. I believe it was a torn ACL. Maybe it wasn't. But, you know, I'm glad she's back. I, I hope it works out for her, and it, it, she doesn't just fade away if when this faction is done with EO and Bailey on the main roster. Realistically, I don't think that should be the case. I mean, Bailey's already established. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as far as the other one, you know, EO and Dakota, I, I don't, I'm hoping we don't get that. I think we need a women's faction. We haven't had one besides more than just a tag team. There's really never been a full women's faction in a long time, if you think about it. I mean, officially, unofficially, we have the four horsewomen, but they've never you know, panned out as a whole group together type deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've like never actually had a match as the Four Horsemen or appeared on TV as the Four Horsemen as an actual faction, yeah. 
yeah so i i don't really get it but i i really want a, a women's faction to stick and this is this is the beginning of it i'm hoping now in just a short amount of time justin we've seen a lot of changes in wwe they're all good changes i think they're all great changes that we've seen so far now let me ask you this before we get into the next topic do you think all these changes WWE has made has made Tony Khan a little scared? I wouldn't say it's made Tony Khan scared. I would say, you know, because we are only two weeks into this and small changes are going to happen over time. But I think Tony Khan's on his toes right now. I think he's going to be paying more attention to what's going on in the WWE product if he isn't paying enough attention already. You know, especially with the news with Discovery Plus and HBO Max merging this week and planning to cut 70% of their staff. You know, that, that that's worrisome when it comes for a new TV deal for Dynamite and Rampage. Absolutely. Yeah. And earlier we brought up, man, how just as much as WWE has had an issue with talent walkouts, uh, we're seeing that with AEW also. Right. You know, WWE or, you know, WWF or WWWF as it is, as its original product predecessor was uh, from Vince McMahon senior. And then WWF is Vince McMahon junior. We've seen not many people walk out. I mean, I can, I can list as many as I know. Ultimate warrior. Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett. But he paid off to with the belt. Yeah. The Intercontinental Championship to lose it to China for 300 grand. I mean, he he walked he walked out a few times when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. 95 and 99. Uh Stone Cold Steve Austin. When he he refused to job to I say job, he refused to lose to Brock Lesnar. On WWE Raw for the King of the Ring qualifying match, uh, to which Brock Lesnar went on to win the whole thing. Stone Stone Cold disagreed, said that that match should be a pay-per-view, shouldn't even be a qualifying match or first-round opening match. So he left. Um, That's only three. I mean, there's not many, like I said. I mean, there's more along the way that, it, that it's happened to and or with. I mean, we had the scare with Brock Lesnar a few weeks ago on SmackDown. He did come yeah. back, thankfully, but... Sasha and Naomi walked out. Uh, Mustafa Ali. As you see, the names are becoming more and more recent. That then, yep. you know... And, and I, I would say that's a lot of politics. A lot of, you know, I know I signed a contract, but I don't care. Seemingly, what they're kind of telling WWE is, I get that I have a contract but it's just a piece of paper. I don't care. And they leave and walk away. And then WWE has done what they can to convince those to come back, which good for them. Uh, but we're seeing a, it happen in AEW. We saw it happen with MJF, not happy with everything going on. And he walks out. Now, first that last promo he cut before leaving really felt not like a shoot. 
but felt more like a work. Like there's a work between him and Tony on this. But based off the lack of seeing MJF, hearing from MJF, dirt sheets reaching out to MJF to try and get anything out of MJF, they're not getting anywhere. So is it a work? Is it not a work with MJF? What do you think? I I still think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. You know, MJF has his frustrations. You know, maybe rightfully so. You see MJF, a guy who's been there since the first show for AEW, and you got guys like Brian Danielson and Adam Cole and CM Punk and Keith Lee, and the list just goes on and on, walking in, and I'm sure they're making a decent amount of money, and I'm sure they're making probably more than MJF, especially in the case of a Brian and a a Punk and an Adam Cole. But I still think this all is a work. Well, not all of it, but... You know, I think we're going to get the MJF return as soon as all out, I would imagine. Maybe even at Arthur Ashe, since MJF is a New York native. And, you know, you're probably looking for that big pop in Arthur Ashe Stadium. But MJF is more than a native New Yorker. He's a native Long Islander, baby. Woo, woo, woo. You know it. (laughs) So... We see it with MJF. I felt that that last uh, promo in the ring on Dynamite was a work 100%. I kind of chalk it up as maybe he's taking time off, but he's still, I don't want to say fairly new to wrestling uh, because I was fortunate enough to interview MJF when he first signed his contract with AEW, which which was really exciting. He also called me a fat bastard. So there's that. I'll pull that out sometime for you guys. He asked me if I had too much chicken grease on my hands. (laughs) Makes sense, I guess. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, aside from MJF, we've seen um, Ivelisse decide that she's going to work for herself when she took on Thunder Rosa, now the current AEW Women's Champion, uh, she's no longer with the company. If you remember when Cody Rhodes was in AEW, uh, Sexy Star down in AAA purposely broke someone's arm, and he was like, you'll never work here. And now we don't hear from her at all in wrestling. She's seemingly been blackballed from wrestling. Uh, The last one that I would say that has come as a complete shocker has been Jonathan Gresham. We know that Jonathan was not happy with the creative. We know that he was not happy with how things are going for ring of honor, the way ring of honor is going, the plans for ring of honor, basically anything ring of honor related Gresham has not been happy about. And he kind of looks at that as like his own kind of pet project. Uh, Seemingly having been a native of Ring of Honor. We did see him wrestle at Ric Flair's last match. But this is where it gets interesting. You know, we now know that Claudio Castagnoli is the Ring of Honor heavyweight champion. And Justin, if you watch that match, it seemingly... What the fuck did Gresham do in that match, really? Can you, like, do you have any 
there wasn't much offense for him. Yeah, and as as I said, I was shocked the match finished when it did because they were only about eleven and a half minutes in at that point. And you know, this is a big ROH World Title match, first match of the new era of ROH on pay per view. It, it definitely felt very weird, and you know, just just I just want to go over some of the people that you mentioned who have walked out of AEW, like Evilise. Ivelisse has fucking burned bridges everywhere, man. Whether it's WB, Impact, AEW, Lucha Underground, even though it's obviously not around anymore. You know, she just... She she has burned bridges everywhere she has been in some way, shape, or form. And when it comes to Jonathan Gresham, you know, I get where he's coming from. You know, the heel turn came out of nowhere and everything on Rampage a few weeks ago. And Tully Blanchard Enterprise isn't even a thing anymore, so, you know, shows how much thought was put into all that. But, you know, he, he's got to kind of get where Tony Khan's coming from, too, at least how I'm viewing it. You're rebooting ROH. You want to have a big star as your world champion, the face of the, the company, the show, when you you try to get a TV deal and you, you, you know, show all these television networks what ROH is, and you got fucking Claudio there, and you got Jonathan Gresham. Like, Lee, in your opinion, who's your fucking world champion out of the two? So, Claudio just joining AEW is a big deal. He chose not to re-sign his contract as Cesaro in WWE. And this is where he goes, right? So he goes to AEW, you know, and they really hyped up the fact that for all those years over in WWE, he's never won a world championship. Now, we don't know the full plans for the Ring of Honor reboot. Nothing has been really set in stone. We haven't really heard much. And even on the Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor, a media call with Tony Khan, which we were part of. We didn't get much as far as the expansion, other than he admitted, you know, with the, you know, having the talks of HBO and, and Discovery, and now they're talking about disabling 70% of the services and, and letting go of 70% of the staff, because things haven't just panned out for that streaming service for them, is what mm -hmm. I'm guessing financially. It's just not working out. Which in turn doesn't help Tony Khan AEW at all if you're trying to get a new show or do something better for a better network deal type deal. Uh, however, that news you know wasn't the the only thing coming out of all of this. I would pick. You're gonna think I'm weird, but I would honestly have stuck with Gresham. No, no, nah, man. I'm sorry. I, I can't agree with that. I know. Um, but I, th and th there's a reason why I'm saying it right now. AEW has no, nothing dis distinguished between ring of honor and AEW. Aside from the fact that we had the one ring, you know, death before dishonor pay-per-view. We don't have anything else set in stone. So, like, if you don't have anything set in stone at this point, I would stick with who you got, which with Gresham, 
because you know he's going to being part of other wrestling shows so that title is getting the more exposure than just being on AEW with with uh Claudio you know so then this is where things for me start to happen now Tony on that media call had said Yes, he plans on separating ROH roster, AEW roster. There'll be some crossovers in between and stuff like that. But right now, it's just a lot of mashups of crossovers and this and that. So that's why I say just keep Gresham until until things are worked out with a TV deal or you know there's a it's got its own show and this and that. You know, then if you're going to distinguish your roster. Then you can figure out, who you know, go with the champions, this and that. But right now, if your plan is not to have Claudio cross over and be part of Ring of Honor, why is he the champion then? I can tell you why he's the champion. He's the champion because AEW is trying to capitalize on the fact that Claudio has never been a world champion anywhere. So you just bring him in right away and give it to him. Well, are they wrong for that? No and yes, if that makes sense. I say no because he, he's deserving of a championship, as, as fucking Tim would say. But also at the same time, just to rush him in and get that quick fix, you could have built it up to something bigger and better where you could have drawn bigger ratings out of it than just that. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Yeah, The mat, the mat, I'll, I'll say right now, the match was thrown together very last minute, a week before the pay-per-view, but they only gave about a month for this pay-per-view to even take place for tickets to go on sale, to build a card, to do anything. Exactly. But then now we know why it went on so early because John Gresham had a fight with Tony Khan. Now the argument entitles the fact uh, Gresham didn't want to change and be a heel and do a heel turn. Which I can agree with. Uh, Gresham seemingly was questioning why, as a black man, he has to have these storylines and this and that. Why can't he just go out there and wrestle? I mean, wrestling has storylines. Like, you got to talk on the mic. You got to do, you got to have the promos and this and that. Yeah, you you can't just have wrestling matches over and over again. You got to have some kind of story in there or else it all just blends together. During his argument with Tony Khan, he tried using the PWI Top 500 as ranking 20th as to why he should have a better position. Lee, can I please fucking roast that argument? <laughs> please do, because I'm going to after you do. The fucking PWI rankings don't mean shit, okay? What the fuck does it matter if Jonathan Gresham is fucking 20 and Claudio Cesaro is fucking 32 on the pwi rankings it's all based on fucking storyline booking those rankings not based on actual performance or anything in the fucking company that these people are in look at some of the fucking names on the list okay it's so that's such a terrible argument to make i mean it's out of 500 wrestlers so like (laughs) once you're out of the top 500 a lot of the names you're you're recognizing are guys who aren't signed to companies and haven't been in 10 plus years, newcomers and things like that. You get some surprises in there, you know, that aren't in the top 100. But to be honest, Justin, that whole top 500 rankings, I personally just see it as a bunch of bullshit. It is. It's absolutely is. (laughs) Like outside of, you know, this is what it is, this and that. Pro Wrestling Illustrated, it's like, 
how many people are involved in making the decisions on who's ranked where, you know, who, you know, how many people are in, are, are on the list, making the list itself. I mean, we know one name and half the time that one name gets a lot of the news wrong in dirt sheets and stuff. Ain't that right? You know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Dave. <laughs> Plans change. You know, I mean, I could come out and make my own top 500 if that's the case. Anyone can make their top 500. You know, he can say, well, I've been involved with wrestling for 30, 40 years. Okay, I've been a fan too. I've never, you know. Well, you know, I know people. I got wrestlers' phone numbers in my phone. I talk to wrestlers that are former WWE superstars, former WCW superstars, former this, former that. We all... We, we, we've all seen it. We all, you know, you've seen who I've interviewed. Our inter you can go to youtube.com slash perched on the top rope and watch our interviews. You can listen to them on our Apple podcast, perched on the top rope. Hell, you're even going to start hearing interviews on the perched on the top shelf action figure episodes of, of snippets from interviews with wrestlers that we talk their action figures with. So anyone can create this list. It's just a fucking opinion, man. Like, so, like, because of that, John Gresham tried using someone's opinion on where he was ranked in the top 500 to try and get leverage over Tony Khan. I'm sorry, but that's a fucking Mark move. If you don't like the term Mark, I'm sorry. I know plenty of Marks. My name's not Mark, but I know Marks. I consider myself a Mark. I'm a fan of the industry, but I'm also in the industry at the same time. Justin and I have traveled to Poughkeepsie, New York, which for me is a four-and-a-half-hour, five-hour drive to interview the Good Brothers because Impact Wrestling called us and said, hey, you want to do an interview? And we said, hell yeah. Yep. You know, we can create our own top 500. We know enough about the industry. So I think, the, I think that, I think his whole argument was kind of bullshit. And honestly, if I heard it, I probably would have laughed. I, oh, I absolutely would have fucking cackled with laughter there. Like you said, I, it's, it's somebody's opinion on a top 500 list. And on top of that, Whose opinion? How many people's opinion? <laughs> exactly that. You know, so to use the top five hundred as as a as a way to get your ways is is obviously not going to work because in the end, Jonathan Gresham has asked for his release from AEW, and since then we have not seen him in AEW. But we did see him part of Ric Flair's last match, uh, pay per view with Jim Crocker Promotions. Uh, we know that Jonathan Gresham has a lot of indie bookings, so you can still see him wrestle. I just don't think you're going to see him part of ROH and AEW. I'll be interested if Tony Khan calls and says, hey, we need you to work. What's going to happen there? Mm -hmm. But the whole point that I was trying to get at with all of this, Justin, you know, WWE walkouts, AEW walkouts, Changes internally with WWE, specifically a lot of big things with Triple H, and we've already seen changes with WWE on television. I asked you if Tony Khan was scared for a reason, because a press release was put out by AEW, and we got the press release. It's in our email. I'm going to read. I'm not going to read all of it. There's a lot there. I'm going to read a majority of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, just give me your thoughts on it. Or you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stop I'm gonna stop go stop go as as I go and we can talk about it 
each thing that happens. Yeah. AEW announces expansion of talent relations and development team. Justin, those sound kind of like what Triple H does, just saying. Yep, there's there's some resemblance there. Yeah. Uh, The roles for Sanjay Dutt, QT Marshall, Pat Buck, and Tony Schiavone will increase under expanded talent relation teams uh, and also Madison Rain joining to coach the women's division, which, you know, she's from Impact. I'm going to jump on Madison Rain first. I would have totally gone with somebody else. I, I agree. And apparently she's going to be an on, on-screen on performer, too, because she's having her debut match on Rampage on Friday. I would have picked somebody else. I would have tried to gone for names not under WWE, but were once part of WWE, try and grab some big names. I would have reached out to a plethora of names. Jacqueline, Ivory. Hell, I I know they're under Legends contracts, but I would have tried Lita, Trish Stratus. I would have gone for any big name that you know can work. I mean, we know Madison Rain. I'm going to give an eh type of vibe for wrestling-wise. Yeah. Promo work. Hell, you could have reached out Angelina Love. Any, you know, the beautiful people themselves. They were good workers. Madison Rain was part of that, but at the tail end, I just, I think there's other talented women they could have tried to find. And look, you you just named off a bunch of people that they could have brought in to coach the women. Did WWE ever hire back Sarah Amato, who worked closely with the women at the Performance Center pre-pandemic? Because I remember they released her, like, they didn't, right? No, she did. I don't think she was rehired. Yeah, so there's another one you could have easily brought in. Yeah, I mean, there's a few other names I would have also said. If you remember when Tyson Kidd, TJ Wilson, was having issues with WWE, we actually saw him with an AEW producer. Took photos with her and stuff. I thought, you know, that would have been a hell of a name to coach the women because he's heavily involved with the women. You know who else is heavily involved with women wrestling? And the, you know, still part of WWE though is Fit Finley. Done, you know, done phenomenal work in the women's division. Those those could have been names you could have tried to reach out to, especially with Tyson Kidd having the issues that he was having with WWE at the time. You know, we didn't see him be brought back until what, after the Royal Rumble? Yeah, cuz he he wasn't doing anything for a while. Yeah. Um anyway, so I, I just feel like there could have been more dominant name, predominant names that they could have picked besides Madison Rain. But let's hope that she makes, <laughs> no pun intended, some sort of impact. Eh. Uh, continuing on with this, uh, AEW CEO, GM, and head of creative Tony Khan announced an expansion to AEW talent relations team with the promotions of key staff members, including Sanjay Dutt, QT Marshall, Pat Buck, and Tony Schiavone. Uh, the following promotions and additions are effective immediately. Sanjay Dutt has been promoted to vice president of production and creative coordination. In this role, he will coordinate communication of AEW storylines between post-production and key staff to maintain content workflow, produce 
content and monitor new producers. Dutt started with AEW in 2021, bringing more than 20 years experience professional wrestling, both in-ring and as a producer, and will continue to serve on-screen manager to Satnam Singh and Jay Lethal, which, by the way, I really love the shots Jay Lethal was throwing uh, Wednesday when it came to Ring of Honor, saying that, you know, he was the AE, you know, he was the 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 Ring of Honor uh, longtime guy and this and that. It seemingly sounded like throwing shots at John Gretham, Gresham, I thought. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it could definitely be taken as that. I mean, Lethal and Gresham, they were the foundation in Ring of Honor. And, you know, it absolutely could be taken that way. Yeah. So now we know Dutt's new role. Um, a lot of, you know, going, it seems like he's kind of playing, you know, Hey, I need to relay this. I need to relay that. Basically, I, I in a in a contractor's world, I call him the gopher. Uh, the gopher with carpentry is you go for this, you go for that. If I say, "Hey, I need this," you go get it. Hey, I need that, you go get it. Seemingly, that's kind of what I'm seeing here. Is, is hey, we have these storylines. Go to the writers and let them know. Hey, we have this going on. Uh you need to watch over this producer. He's working this match. Hey, you need to watch this, you know, so on and so forth. So he's kind of a gopher in my eyes here, you know, relaying messages, which, you know, communication is, you know, when you're dealing with so many people, this and that, you need someone to do that kind of role. So hopefully we see how it plays out. Our next person is QT Marshall. QT Marshall has been promoted to the vice president of show and creative coordination. So QT Marshall and Sanjay Dutt will still be working together behind the scenes because Sanjay Dutt is also vice president of creative coordination. So we have two vice presidents. Be interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, we did have four EVPs at one point, so it doesn't yeah, surprise me. He will help him manage show elements, including planning programs and storylines, creative development, overseeing extras, and live event logistics coordination. Now, overseeing extras generally means we're going to be seeing, I would say, a lot more from the Nightmare Factory, people-wise, and seeing a lot more maybe from, uh, I, I would definitely say from the Nightmare Factory, you know, extras are... You know, the guys that you see behind the scenes who, you know, take a super kick or, you know, they're the talent enhancement, you know, that come in and get destroyed by like Hobbs, like how we saw on AEW Dynamite with his heel turn and he just destroyed some local competitor the other night. So it seems as though Sanjay Dutt and QT Marshall will be working behind the scenes with each other on some sort of uh, capacity. It also says that we will still continue to see uh, QT Marshall on screen with the factory, uh, with Anthony Agogo, Carmato, Aaron Solo, and Cole Carter. To be honest, these are names you really don't hear much on TV or see on TV. These guys are more used on dark and dark elevation. Yep. Which is which is fine. The next name. 
is Pat Buck. We all remember Pat Buck from WWE. He gave us the last two terrible fucking WrestleMania matches I could have ever watched in my life. Uh, that being the greatest WrestleMania match in the world! Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar was a huge disappointment at WrestleMania. Pat Buck was a producer of that match, so he you know, seemingly picked on what happened in the match. And then the other match was the Charlotte Flair match. If you remember Justin, her and Ronda Rousey. Oh, I remember. I almost fell asleep before Stone Cold came out. Which would have been terrible. Would have been terrible, absolutely. <laughs> but those matches uh, were terrible. Absolutely, positively terrible matches. The next day, Pat Buck quits WWE and says, I basically had two main event matches. I've done everything I wanted to do in WWE. I'm out and left. Did he make those matches bad on a purpose, knowing he was going to leave and go to AEW? What do you think? With how sudden everything was, and I remember reading that while I was in Dallas before Raw, you know, I wonder if there was some kind of blow up between him and Vince or him and the other producers that caused his departure from the company. I don't think it was a sabotage on purpose kind of situation. I, I feel like there was some kind of some kind of heated blow up backstage. Well, if there was, I'd be interested to know who it was between and why. Yeah. You know, we knew Pat Buck as a wrestler and was seemingly putting on good matches for WWE. And, and obviously something happened like that for him to do what he did in late and leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, he's been promoted to vice president of talent development in this position. Uh, he's working with talent and production, overseeing all coaches, providing input on matches and promos. And he's the lead of the talent relations team. Buck brings nearly two decades of experience in wrestling promotions, talent trainer, producer, promoter. I'll be interested to see what he does. Now, I just want to confirm, you said Pat Buck, he, he has a role in talent relations with AEW now? He's the vice president of talent, talent development. Uh, in this position, he will lead talent and production, oversee all coaches, provide input on matches and promos, and will lead the talent relations team. Okay. The, the, the only reason I bring that up is because he does run Create a Pro with Brian Myers, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see more more uh, wrestlers from Create a Pro showing up on AEW. I mean, we already have guys like Max Caster and MJF who had trained in AEW or AEW create a pro and Chris Statlander too. got people like that. Yes. And see, and this is where I, I think that there could be an issue, especially becoming between Pat Buck and QT Marshall. QT Marshall runs the nightmare factory, which is he, Cody Rhodes, Ray Lloyd Glacier. And a lot of those from the night from, from the nightmare factory are used as extras and talent enhancement as part of you know, dark, dark elevation, part of AEW, which QT Marshall is in charge of the extras. 
So will there be rifts between him and Pat Buck as Pat Buck wants to seemingly, you know, get more people involved from Create a Pro? We just saw Leo Sparrow uh, on WWE Raw, who's part, you know, part of Create a Pro. Mm-hmm. We've also seen him on, on AEW as well, uh, using different names, though. Uh, however, whatever the case may be, knowing the fact that you've got two men running two wrestling schools with seemingly both having success in both schools and having successful people come out of both schools, can one trying to push their extras for the company over another, I say we're going to see some conflict here. What do you think? I mean, it's possible, but AEW does have, you know, the television to have both both uh, training facilities provide extras. I mean, you have dark, dark elevation. We see a uh, few enhancement matches on Rampage and Dynamite here and there. So I don't think there's any real shortage for having wrestlers come in from both facilities. But, you know, it's it's possible. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just what I it's just what I see. And we know that when we talk to uh, Jacques Rougeau, the Mountie, uh, he and QT Marshall have a thing going on uh, up in Canada. There's a, a big tournament and the winner is going to win a chance to train at the Nightmare Factory and get a shot at, in. Well, hopefully get a shot in AEW. If you want to check that out, fans, uh, it's youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. Well, you know, that's very possible because if you remember, AEW is making their Toronto debut in October. Yeah. You know, so they do have a chance. Uh, we've also seen Tony Schiavone on commentary be promoted. Tony Schiavone has been promoted to the senior producer and special advisor to talent. In this capacity, he will work directly with talent as part of the talent relations team. So, again, we got three people more in, involved with the talent relations team. Shivani is one of AEW's most tenured members with uh, nearly 40 years' experience, iconic voice, guided fans, professional wrestling, incredible moments. Aside from Tony Shivani being in commentary, just like WCW, I don't know what else, you know other positions he's held. Uh, we know that Larry Zabisco had talked about Tony Schiavone with meetings and this and that. You can hear all about that at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. Talent relations has a lot to deal with. You're dealing with a lot of performers. You're dealing with a lot of different attitudes. You're going to get guys who are angry that are, they're not being used. You guys, you're going to get guys who are angry that they're not being used. Right. You're going to get guys who want a better push guys who want to be on. T- then you're going to get guys who just want to be on TV to just have a match on TV, you know, to, to help at least further elevate themselves a little bit. You're going to get guys who are wondering why they're not in the championship picture. You're going to get guys wondering why they're losing matches when they think they should be winning. There's a lot of things to factor in here. And when you start mixing all these attitudes, this and that, then that's when I said you really start running into the problems. And let's be honest, AEW in a very short time has run into problems when it comes to the talent relations side. You know, one of Jonathan Gresham's gripes is lack of communication with Tony Khan. 
So what do you do? You build a better talent relations team like we're seeing now. Now, we've already heard about Madison Rain. She's going to start coaching the women's division. And we're going to see her on TV. Again, we both said there probably could have been someone better here picked. Uh, especially when you've got women on the roster who can perform better than her already. Mm -hmm. Perform moves that she couldn't even attempt. Like something as simple as climbing the top rope. Ooh. Hey, that's why we're perched on the top rope. <laughs> All right. Now there is one more name here, Justin, and that's Christopher Daniels. An AEW original who brings more than 30 years of industry experience uh, will continue to serve as the manager of talent relations. The talent relations team will also remain close contact with AEW's legal and talent resources team. Uh, the talent resources team helps support the physical and mental health, safety, and security of talent. AEW is also committed to supporting talent beyond the ring who offer world-class physicians, trainers, and mental health uh, So uh, he's going to be working with them on that. I think that's really cool, uh, especially because, like, you know, you never really hear WWE talk about mental health with their talent and how they help them. So here, you know, we're getting actually what seems like a provided update, you know, on what AEW does as far as uh, their the physical health of wrestlers and the mental health of wrestlers. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, you know, it, it, as we go through this list, there's more and more heads peeking into talent relations. And I, I understand you want to have your talent scouts. You want to try and gather as much talent as you possibly can whether it be for AEW or Ring of Honor. I don't know how well it works when you have so many heads in that pool. Like I brought up earlier, we had four EVPs at one point with Cody and the Bucks and Kenny. You know, it's hard to make decisions when there's so many names in the pot. Yeah, and um, I mean, this also seemingly comes, you know, this announcement by AEW after a number of things as we've seen Jonathan Gresham ask for his release from the company which he does cite lack of communication with Tony Khan but then I the reason why I asked if it was a you know because he's he's scared of what WWE is about to do because it also comes after the recent shakeup of talent relations department in the form of uh, Triple H who has already done incredible things which includes the return of dakota kai so that's why i asked if if we feel that this is a direct result of what wwe is doing in regards to triple h my answer would be yes but i'm also coming around to the idea that with jonathan gresham you know citing lack of you know being able to communicate with Tony Khan. We've seen that with others as Tony Khan doesn't release people. He lets their contract expire. He's never actually, we've never actually seen him really fire anyone. 
Just let contracts expire. Joey Janela, Marco Stunt, a couple of guys from uh, the Dark Order. Just doesn't resign them. And if you listen to the interview with Joey Janela, he talks how basically AEW and Tony Khan literally ghosted Marco Stunt. No communication whatsoever. Just not using him on TV. They had a plan with Christian. To be honest, I thought between Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt, I thought it was a pretty good pairing. I would have, you know, then they brought Christian along, which Christian with that tag team, in all honesty, made no sense to me, but... I honestly thought Marco Stunt made more sense because, well, Jungle Boy shortened. Let's be honest, Marco starts even shorter. I'm sorry, I can't defend Marco Stunt on AEW TV in any capacity. That's fair. I mean, I, I just it's just something I would have done because now it just really seems that what they're doing is. trimming their fat but you know they're trimming their fat in a different way i say they're trimming their fat in a way that they're looking at their roster and being like we're not really doing anything with this person do we really need them and and there's a lot of names that i'm kind of worried for within aew I'm worried for Sonny Kiss. I don't know how you feel about Sonny Kiss. Sonny Kiss is actually a personal friend of mine uh, who, Justin, I've interviewed in person and I've interviewed not in person, both under contract with AEW. I just think that for how progressive Sonny Kiss is, could hurt Sonny Kiss. Sonny Kiss is a hell of one hell of an in-ring performer. Sonny Kiss isn't utilized much on TV though, at all. No, it's literally at all. Uh her last match, and I'm using her because it's it's Sonny Kiss's pronouns. I'm not going to be disrespectful. I just I think that Sonny Kiss I say too progressive. It's not too progressive. We should be accepting in the world of 2022. But then, you know, we're when you're watching AEW Dynamite and literally smack down in the middle of the crowd, you've got uh, transphobic signs for Nyla Rose. Same thing can happen with Sonny Kiss. I mean, you can go in any wrestling, you know, any wrestling forum or this or that and and ask about sunny kiss and you'll get a lot of a lot of fans that i don't like sunny kiss and it's for reasons of what the 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 sexual orientation is there is really more of what i see than anything i got no problem with it i think sunny kiss is a great performer sunny kiss is a great person i just think that whether it's the network saying that's a little too progressive for us or AEW just not know what to do is becoming a factor. I don't see why you can't pair Sonny Kiss with Nyla Rose, Vicky Guerrero, 
Make Sonny kiss one of the baddies with Jade Cargill. That would be freaking dope. It would work. Absolutely. I, I just I don't think Sunny Kiss is used right, and I feel I I feel that Sunny Kiss could be one of those on the chopping block. And, and there's others. There's others. I see. I see. Now you just took Anna J from the Dark Order, right? Mm-hmm. You just let two contracts run out. How long is Tony Khan gonna let? the joke of the dark order continue. And I know that negative one is part of it. And that, you know, the whole thing with negative one is when he turns 18, he'll be here. He's here for life. This and that. A couple of his favorites aren't there anymore now in the dark order. Can the dark order honestly stand a chance? Evil Uno, Colt Cabana, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, negative one, but negative one, you know, only appears every so often. He's a kid. Well, you know, even Colt Cabana was pulled from the Dark Order to be more with the Ring of Honor reboot. Yeah, and you haven't really seen Cabana at all, though, much. Yep. Um, so I, I fear for them that they can be on the chopping order. I fear for some of the best friends. It was reported one of them was released, but that turns out not to be the case. But I think we're going to start seeing where, you know, AEW is going to, you can only, you can only have so many jokesters. You know what I mean? The Dark Order is more of a comedy act. The best friends. Comedy act. Your favorite, very nice, very evil. I'm gonna walk Danhausen. Add this to the walkout count. <laughs> and, and Danhausen has ties with Hook. You know, but if I had to pick out all those names I just mentioned, I would definitely tell you that the Dark Order could be in trouble here. Yeah, Danhausen is way too over. I know you don't want to admit that, but Justin, <laughs> shut up. When that crowd, that crowd pops for Danhausen. Stop. Okay? Stop. That was piped in. Heard how much they pop for him? That was piped in crowd noise. No. Lies. No. Lies. <laughs> I've listened to your video in in a video AEW. The crowd is loud the entire time for Danhausen. Yeah, I just have a very good speaker on my phone. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to let you have that one. You know, when you think WWE comedy acts, in WWE you have what? R-Truth? Basically the whole 24-7 thing. But like R-Truth, Akira Tozawa, you have a few names there. AEW's got full factions. So eventually you're going to trim some of this. And that's just how I see it, unfortunately. And if we go on with more of like a lot of these talent relations things, especially with AEW, I'm, I'm going to start to think we're going to start seeing some shakeups. But Justin, I'm more curious. Who do you fear for could be on the chopping block in AEW? Hmm. You know, I don't think I really fear for anyone getting cut. I think like you brought up Sonny Kiss is 
a very likely candidate, and I have no clue when Sonny Kiss's contract is up. But the last time Sonny Kiss was on Dynamite or anything, the last time I can at least remember was mid twenty twenty, when Sonny Kiss faced Cody Rhodes for the TNT Champion. That was almost that, that was two years ago because that was Fight for the Fall in that year. You know, it it's just been dark and dark elevation ever since then. Yeah. It just uh I don't know, man. It's just it's it's a weird as much as it's it's an exciting time in wrestling, it's also a weird time in wrestling. And I say it's a weird time in wrestling because as great as it all is, it is, is, I don't want to say as bad as it all is because there's good and there's bad and there's the ugly and there's everything in between. I just fear we're going to see some roster cuts coming, but AEW, we had reports of that they're putting a freeze on hiring, and then we hear they're not, and they're going to expand again. And it's just like, you have a plethora of talent already, but like, what do you like? What do you do here now? Like, what do you do? Like, how? Like, you've got so many talent. If I'm a guy who's who's you know, been on TV, this and that. I really don't want to go work a YouTube show and be part of that for 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like how many people, Justin, do you think in AEW feel that going on those YouTube shows is beneath them? Cause I'm going to bring up some names. You never see a MJF on them. You never see the likes of like the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. I'm going to go out there and say John Moxley. I think once he did one. He did do one, yeah. You know, there's a lot of, you know, have you seen the House of Black on there? The only The only person I've seen from the House of Black... You know what? That's a lie because Brody King has done some singles matches on Dark Elevation. Julia Hart's practically a regular on Dark Elevation. I I don't care about Julia Hart to be honest with you. She's in the House of Black, so I got to counter. I know, I know. But like, you see more of those that they feel need to be there. I I almost feel like, like for a while, Jay Lethal was on there. When he first yep. came in and it was almost kind of like, well, we don't have any sort of storylines for you right now. This is what we're going to do until we can figure it out. But like a lot of those top names, Justin, you do not see there. So that's why I'm asking, like, do you feel for some of these guys? They feel it's beneath them. Yeah. And, and you know, if you watch Dark Elevation or you're at a taping for AEW and Dark Elevation, like they don't get much time on that show. The, it's literally six to anywhere between six to 12 matches and it's just boom 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 next segment next segment and you know the matches don't go more than five minutes for the most part and that might be generous you know i've seen matches where it's just in and out 
just to fill that hour gap between, you know, right before AEW Dynamite when they're taping the show. So there's not much to do on Dark Elevation because it's literally just a quick squash just about every match. And maybe the main event will get a little bit more time on the show, which it has the last few times I've been to an AEW taping. But, you know, you can't be doing two-minute matches for your entire run in a company. You don't learn. You don't get anything out of that. No, you don't at all. And I did a, I I talk about this a lot. I did an AEW dark taping once for sports keto covering it. You know, the, you know, the review of it and everything, the results and stuff. 14 matches. Two promos. And the one promo was literally 30 seconds and it was Luchasaurus. And the promo was literally this. Have you ever seen a talking dinosaur? Do you know a dinosaur that has a college degree? Now I'm literally hearing this, Justin. And I'm thinking to myself. That was hands down the worst monotonistic promo I've ever heard in my fucking life. And it was Luchasaurus. Sorry, Luchasaurus, but it was terrible. Then there's 14 matches in between. I could literally pinpoint each match or like five or six matches literally in a row when I knew that the swinging neck breaker was coming with the kip kip up from the person who took the swinging neck breaker instantly doing a kick up and doing a super kick literally five six matches in a row after i watched two i was like i would literally go in 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 a group chat and being like hey is everyone watching dark and they're like yeah i go here comes the the uh swinging neck breaker kick up uh super kick it would happen all of a sudden like Cause I'm in this group with a bunch of guys from over in Europe and they're watching, they're going, Holy crap. That just happened. I was like, yeah, this show sucks. <laughs> yeah. And that was during the pandemic era of AEW dark, which dude, that was fucking rough. And I, I just had to stop watching because the shows were going two, two and a half hours with like what you said, 14 matches. It's, it's too much. There's not enough time in the week to, sustain that with how much wrestling is on the air right now no and honestly since then i myself um covering that for sports keto which i believe i left shortly after doing this it was 2020 and i said i don't want to do this writing anymore it's not fun i just i just like doing the interviews which is what i've always done i've always done interviews I just I didn't want to do it anymore. It 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 got it get, you know you get to a point where it's not fun and that's where it was. Anyway, um, so like yeah, I, I dark and dark elevation are like what Sunday night heat, velocity, Saturday night shotgun were to the WWF. That's the vibe I get from them. Now, a lot of complaints have been coming 
that AEW Rampage is not that great anymore. Uh, we've seen a steep decline in the ratings, seemingly week after week after week. It's an hour long show, so like you got to try and cram whatever you can. But even then, you're not getting all the the top notch guys on the show. Like when it first started, like CM Punk was on there like every week for a while. Mm-hmm. And now we're up against uh, this whole whole ordeal with AEW and Rampage. You know, if they think that Dark and Dark Elevation is beneath them, well, if AEW Dynamite is like what WCW Nitro is, then AEW Rampage is WCW Thunder. And if you remember, Justin, WCW Thunder only lasted about two years. Yeah, all the all the top guys. It started out; they were on there, and then it got to the point that they didn't want to do it anymore. Guy Hall, Nash, Hogan, you know. So you started seeing like the B squad of NWO of Brian Adams, Stevie Ray, Disco Inferno. Those NWO members being on the show instead, and like I said, it was short lived. It only lasted about two years. It didn't even last until the end of what WCW was. It didn't make it to the to the the finals, uh, which tells you more about the show. Which, at the rate Rampage is going, could you see that show being discontinued if it keeps going the way it's going? I mean, look, there's a lot going on with obviously Turner and HBO and Discovery right now. Rampage did a, a very bad number last week. I, it had to have been the worst they've ever done for Rampage. And I was actually at that taping last week. And let me tell you, it was it was a fucking chore to, to get through that show just due to all the technical difficulties they were having, the matches that they put out for that show. It w- was not an enjoyable time, honestly. It, it felt like a chore just to get through it. But it's not like AEW Rampage has lost any name value. They still have guys like John Moxley and uh, Hangman Page. Punk still shows up from time to time, obviously, when he's not injured. Brian Danielson was on the show a lot. You know, Adam Cole is on the show a lot. So it hasn't lost the guys with name value appearing on the show. Well, I'm, I I haven't watched Rampage live in, in weeks. I'll be honest about that, but... You know, it, it does feel like a chore to sit through and there's not a whole lot going on. You're just kind of watching it to see what's going to happen on Dynamite the following week when they announce the matches for Dynamite. I mean, what also doesn't help is the fact that it's pre-taped. And if you're like Justin and I, we end up spoiling that online for people, even though we know spoiler free is the way to be. So anyway, Justin, the show you were at with, with, with the double taping, um, Two weeks ago, they were at 435,000 views. Uh, They only ranked sixth in cable for the night. Usually, anytime wrestling is on, it ranks number one. So, the show you were at did lower than the previous week. It did 428,000 views, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the show you watched had Christopher Daniels versus Jay Lethal. No, that was the week before. Okay, so that was the week before. 
Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the card so people can hear just the the decline in wrestling names on the show. You brought up how Moxley's been on the show. We talked how CM Punk's been on the show. Frequent Adam Cole. Uh, the 435,000 viewers that show had Christopher Daniels versus, versus Jay Lethal, Lee Morad Moretti versus Dante Martin, Hangman Page and John Silver versus Butcher and the Blade, and Max Caster and Austin Gunn have a rap battle. Honestly, that's something I'm not going to tune into because it doesn't do anything for me. Now, the episode that you were there live for. Do you remember what the card was? I do. So they had, it was Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt against the best friends in Orange Cassidy. And I feel like that was probably the, the peak of the show, to be honest with you, and it was the opener. But they also had Ethan Page taking on Leon Ruffin, which was just an enhancement match. Uh, uh, Lee Moriarty and Matt Seidel, which, you know, it wasn't terrible, but it was just like, you didn't really care by the time it was 11 o'clock at night after you just sat through Dark Elevation and Dynamite. And then in the main event, they had Ruby Soho and Anna Jay, which did not do any favors for anyone because by that point, 70% of the of the crowd had left. Uh, you know, it was like HBO had already cut most of their staff at 70%, and whatever was left was in the crowd that night. But, yeah, it's it's just... I don't know. It's missing whatever kind of spark was there before. Yeah, it. it it's the star power. I literally mm-hmm. feel like that's what it's missing. The star power. I feel like that's what's missing. It's. A shame, to be honest with you, the star power that it's it's missing. Uh. I'm just hoping for the best for the show because Justin, you know, the last episode, especially on the the toy figure show that we do perched on a top shelf, you had openly admitted like wrestling is your life. Yes. You go to literally every show within the tri-state area, PA, Connecticut, Massachusetts, uh, New York, New Jersey. Those five different States fans like, this man travels for this stuff. I travel for this stuff. Justin, I've gone to Albany multiple times uh, for us to hang out and go to meet and greets. We went to Massachusetts together, to Poughkeepsie together. We've met phenomenal wrestlers together, tons of wrestlers together. We've done tons of interviews with each other about wrestling and everything like that. And just as much as like you said, wrestling is your life, wrestling is my life. Justin, you built a whole addition in your room to be able to do what you do. I took out my dining room, built this awesome bar. I have a, a it's a bar slash studio. I took rooms in my house because I don't have enough room in one room for all my action figures. I had to give them two. And I got a four, but be- well, technically I have a five bedroom house. So two of the room, well, technically three rooms I had to take just for wrestling. And realistically, I could take another because I have so much ring-worn gear, I can't display it in either room. There's nowhere to put it, nowhere to display it. So, you know, when we do these shows, you know, whether it be a general news thing, whether it be the action figures, 
we're we're passionate about wrestling. It, it it's it's our livelihood here. You know, we've built our life around this, and I've been a fan for thirty years. If I didn't stop watching, it would actually be longer. At times, you know, I stopped watching from. Well, it feels like oh three to oh eight. That nah, was longer than that. It was like oh one oh two. It was after the invasion angle. Because I thought it was, I, I thought it was just piss poor done. The invasion angle it made me stop watching for like seven eight years. Oh wow, that's how bad I thought it was, man. I didn't start watching again until, um, I watched the highlights of like the ECW reunion shows that WWE had put on, but I didn't start again until Raw vs SmackDown two thousand eight in the video game series, and that's what got me watching because I bought the game and I was like, oh, I'll try it out. And then I was like, who are some of these people? What the hell did I miss? I started watching again. Wasn't exactly the best time to start watching again, but I'm here. So. Yeah. And, you know, like I tell people, I I, I love this shit. <laughs> and, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's cool. You got something you like. And I'm like, no, I like I absolutely love this. You know, I don't travel here and there for nothing. I don't I don't have a mountains of figures at my feet right now as I'm sitting here for nothing. It, it's just, you know, this this is what I enjoy. This is what I love. Yeah, you know, I'm the same way. Can't go wrong with pro wrestling. But. There comes a, a time in a place where you have to realize that the landscape of, of professional wrestling is changing and it's definitely more that sports entertainment route that we're going and that we're seeing on a daily basis. And as the older fan here, Justin, a lot of of us older fans tend to die off when, that landscape changes. So as much as we've watched the ratings go up, I'll be interested in the coming weeks to see if viewership goes down because of the changes that we see that guys like me and us older generation fans start to seemingly disagree with what we're watching. I mean, there's a lot I could pinpoint that I disagree with, but as a fan, I'm not, I'm not too big on trying to be negative because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what it is. It's, it's pro wrestling. It's my, it's my thing. It's what I I like and what I enjoy. And, and Justin, we've been in the group chats, we've been in Facebook groups and on Twitter and Instagram and constantly see people complaining about the product but they never talk about anything that they actually like about the product. So like at that point, you know, if you've been so unhappy with the product for so long, I would stop watching. I've done it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I did it for years. I came back and then I actually stopped watching again. Two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. 
I don't remember what the exact cause of why I stopped, but something made me stop. So, and then in the next coming weeks with the, the changes and transition coming, I'll be interested to see uh, who watches, who doesn't watch, why I'll be reading the forums and, and this and that. Now, Justin, last week, on Perched on the Top Shelf, we announced that we're going to start having interviews in on those shows from older interviews with wrestlers talking about figures. And I'm excited to announce that on Tuesday, fans, since we just had the Legend Show you can watch on YouTube and on Apple, we're going to jump right in and have Tatanka talk about his action figures from the Legends figure line to his Hasbros and things to that nature. That's going to be real exciting, Justin, for us. Uh, but hey, we also have figure of the week next week. Fans, next week to this show. We will have the full interview with WWE Hall of Famer Larry Sabisco going out. We're very excited about that interview. You can check out all the snippets on YouTube at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. We talked a lot of very interesting topics. A lot of what we talked about has, in fact, been picked up on dirt sheets, such as Sports Kita involving Larry Sabisco talking about Bobby the Brain Heenan. Larry Zabisco talking about Ric Flair's last match. Larry Zabisco talking about WWE's Vince McMahon retiring. So we have a lot of great content coming up. You just got to tune in, fans. And with that being said, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash perch on the top rope where you can see all the great interviews that Justin and I have done. I've done interviews with Alex. And there's also a lot of other great content on there. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere podcasts are found. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Red Circle, Podbean, Podbay, Audible. We're there. It's perched on the top rope. We want to thank all of those who have kept us on Chartable's Top 250. We've been in multiple countries. We've been number one in Indonesia, which is awesome. We thank you for that. Ireland, Germany, Australia, Great Britain. Canada, America, America, we just jumped up like 114 spots. Thank you. And if I'm missing any country, I apologize, but thank you for tuning in each and every week to Perched on the Top Rope. We try and give you the best content that we can give. We're making huge gains on TikTok, Perched on the Top Rope. I've been stitching a lot of wrestlers and content that they've been doing. You can find Great content from Selena Scene, which we take the music from Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On, and, and put that music with the greatest wrestling uh, things that have happened in, in professional wrestling history. After all, that song just makes everything better. And if none of that tickles your fancy fans, you can go and watch the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, get humped by a dog, by a dog on TikTok. It's perched on the top rope. Fans, you can also tune in 
on Twitter at Perch Top Rope. You can find us on Instagram at Perched on the Top Rope Podcast, where we have a bunch of hilarious memes. We share the interviews there, a lot of stories and things to that nature. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash perch on the top rope. That's where we do a lot of engagement, a lot of fan interaction. So check us out there. Especially considering that there's damn near 10,000 of you. We thank you. Fans, make sure you uh, give this show all the support you can. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Comments on YouTube. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Give us a like on Instagram. And remember, take care, spike your hair, woo, 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 you know it. Ladies and gentlemen, in all honesty, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're out. See you guys.